0: Hi, welcome to Parenting the Adlerian Way. I'm your host, Adlerian Family Counselor and Parenting Expert, Allison Schaefer. Each week, I answer your burning parenting questions to help reduce the stress of parenting one tip at a time. We'll explore Adlerian psychology together and learn methods of child guidance for raising a happy, confident, capable, resilient child.
1: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile.
0: Hi, it's Allison. Welcome back to the podcast. We have another Q&A session. And thank you again, everyone, for, for writing in your questions. I really appreciate it. And I know that um, you have to have some patience in waiting for a reply, which um, uh, I appreciate. And I try to get enough Q&As up. The more questions you send, the more content I have, the more I can put Q&As out. So please, please, please send me your questions. And the things that you're struggling with, and the reason why I like doing the podcast is because your situation specific to you really does speak to what other parents are struggling with. And I have many people telling me that they really love the Q&A to understand the application of Adlerian psychology, that they're going through the same struggles. It really brings the learning to life. It's like case studies um, and demonstrations. It's just more, it's more alive learning. So I really, really appreciate it. Okay. So let me get going. Hello, Allison. Yesterday evening, my husband and I shared with our son that we will be moving an hour and a half away this summer. We moved to BC from Ontario when our son was in kindergarten, and he's going to be starting a new life and grade nine in another small mountain town. He already started high school in grade seven due to the overcapacity in the elementary school here. I have to think about that. <laughs> I, I'm not sure um, that that might have had to do with the physical location of his class, as opposed to being accelerated two grades. Um, do you have any advice about moving and starting a new school for a tween? Thanks in advance. Uh, so thank you for for the question. Uh, here's what I would say. First of all, children look to us and our attitudes about how stressful a situation is. So we need to stand in our um, place of, of balance and positivity and optimism, and have a really positive outlook about what's going to happen. You've made a decision, you're moving, it's that's done, it's going to be a good thing. And so you want to lead with positive attitude. Never pity a child. I think this is a really important message in Adlerian psychology, because when we feel sorry and pity a child, what we're doing is we're sending in, in subtle ways, messages that say, I don't believe you'll manage. It's a vote of non-confidence to pity a child. And of course, if we don't believe in them, and if we don't think they can manage, and we don't think that they can handle this challenge, why would they think any higher of themselves than their parents think of them? right why why would you if my mother and father or mother mother father father whatever your family configuration is if they don't believe in me why would i surpass their perspective they look to us they look to us to be able to assess what a situation is so never pity have a positive attitude now at the same time you don't know don't assume he might be thrilled with this decision don't make assumptions you don't know what their reaction is It's an incredibly subjective experience of how a child is going to handle a situation like this. It's very much like with siblings. Some kids love the fact that they're going to have a baby sister. Other siblings are going to say, Put that baby back. I never asked for that baby. But you don't know. So don't assume. Find out what their subjective interpretation is about this move. And if they say to you, I'm not happy about it, then we need to validate their emotions. And you can validate emotions without being pitiful you can say i am so sorry i know you really just got settled into this place and you're going to miss your friends and tell me all about why this sucks for you and you just validate it and you're like yes change is hard you you were not consulted you know your big people in your life are making decisions that impact you and and um it you know it's it, it doesn't seem fair and i get that i i totally get that um, it's okay to be sad. It's okay to be mad. It's, oh, you know, I, I hear you. I do. Um, it's going to be a challenge. We considered the impact on you when we made this decision. We did. We didn't do this with some capriciousness for just putting our needs first. We had to think about it. And, um, and thank you because you're going to have to shoulder a bit of the load. But thank God we know you and we know that you can manage because you did when we moved from Ontario and you've been in unusual circumstances, you had to start high school in grade seven because they didn't have a place. Like you're somebody who can shoulder a load and we really appreciate that about you. So what can we do for you to make this better? Um, what What's going to make you feel comfortable? And so bring them into the conversation and a big part of it for, for our, you're saying tweens and probably for all people, um, people don't like the unknown, you know, the, the fear of the unknown and what town and what school and what friends they're very very concerned with friendships in their tween years. Um, that is their their survival is to, to know that you belong in your peer group. So how can we smooth out um, in advance some of the, the unknowns and the social things? So par- part of it is I would say, Um, can you go visit the town in advance? I don't know how far away it is, whether you can do a trip and show them around. If you can't, can you go to Google um, Street View and like show them a virtual map of their street, of their high school, um, of things in the neighborhood, where, you know, things, so they can kind of like psychologically get themselves rehearsing, moving into this new environs. Um, Plus, you want to also say, Look at in this day and age, even though we're physically moving, thank God we live in a virtual world. We have FaceTime, we have text messages, you know, you're on Instagram and social apps. And so we'll make sure that you stay connected to your friends and we'll go out of our way to make sure that you get back to our old town or that we make arrangements to get your friend here for weekends and start getting them feeling secure that they're going to be still connected to that group um, and keep bringing up those strengths. How did you manage to move before? How did you manage to settle into high school when you were in grade seven? Remind them that they are somebody that has capabilities that they're going to be called to use again. And um, that you have faith in them, that they have the skills, they have the tools, they've done this before in different capacities, they're going to do it again. And then I think the other thing is to just find that one person, and maybe you know people in this other town, or you could just have it on your radar. That you don't need to you don't need to be fully immersed into a new friend group, but to be able to walk onto the school ground and to know that you've got that one person you can go walk towards, or that one person that you can connect with, or walk to school with, or sit on the bus with, that one person makes all the difference. So maybe as you're settling into to the move and you're talking to the neighbors, you start thinking about who who's going to be there on that first day. Who could you create? Um, Some kind of connection with invite the neighbors over for a potluck or whatever, Um, start looking around to find that one person that goes to that school with them that lives close by that's going to be on that journey and start finding reasons for them to 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 connect and I think um, it's probably going to go swimmingly well so you tell me how it goes. Next question. Hi, Allison. My friend suggested I bring my question to you. It's my seven year old daughter and she is sick with a cold for the second time in a month. She refuses all medicine that can relieve symptoms and also she will not blow her nose, which causes her to sniffle and then cough from post nasal drip. She hates the sensation of blowing her nose. Any tips on how to help her participate in the care she needs so that she can feel better faster and I can get her back to school and myself back to work and a life? Thanks well as i listen to this i would say in adlerian psychology always going back to try to like apply the principles we really talk about the usefulness of behavior the purposefulness the positive purposefulness of behavior and i'm hearing you as a parent saying i am so confused why would this behavior make sense i would blow my nose i would take medicine why isn't she doing all the things that i would do to get to my feeling of of perceived felt positive positive?" and so then we have to ask, well, she wants to get to perceive p- felt positive. What would be what could be a benefit of staying st- stuffy and sick and not taking medicine? And it sounds to me like she's pulling in a lot of caregiving and that you have to like deal with her medical condition. So I think that her reason is that the felt plus is that there are benefits to being sick and that you pull in your caregiver to take care of you. So. As a parent, we have to separate also our role as a caregiver. We have responsibilities in the role of a parent, which includes making sure that our kids are well. But having said that, yes, we have to kiss boo-boos and yes, we have to look after our kids that have colds. Absolutely. But there is a difference between a child who chooses to suffer in a non-life threatening way versus a child that needs medical attention like a, a, a insulin shot for diabetes, or a, a fever that's so high that they could go into fibrillation and and um, and seizures. So, the fact that she doesn't want to get rid of her stuffiness by blowing her nose, who's suffering? Who's suffering? It's her stuffy nose. You don't need to be her caregiver. So there's a difference between saying, I see you've chosen to suffer with a stuffy nose. Um, you could feel better by blowing your nose, but I see you've chosen not to. That's a choice you can make. Um, go ahead. But I don't need to be here to console you over your choice. You know, you, you choose to suffer, so suffer alone. So I would not give her the added payoff and attention for being the sickly one. Now, remember, and I think this is another part that maybe gets missed as we're talking about this, because it's not fair When we're saying this is the child's creative solution to try to solve a problem, and they have creatively, in a maladaptive form, found a way to engage you by being ill. So, yay to the creativity and wisdom of the child. If we're then going to say don't allow their undue attention seeking to reach their goals, we still have to go back to this primary source which says, our children are trying to solve the problem of connecting with us and they're doing it in maladaptive ways. So what are we doing or how could we take some ownership over the fact that our child is not feeling connected or the ways that we attend to them come from maladaptive ways? how do we show our child that they're important and connected and attached in meaningful ways through our parenting behaviors that are adaptive? You know, are we um, recognizing them when they are doing right, doing good, contributing, helpful? Are we only paying attention to them when they're achieving or sick? Um, You know, we spend a lot of time dealing with kids when they're off task and we just don't spend enough time with our connectivity when they're on task. When our kids are being lovely, we tend to say, oh, they're fine, I'll go make dinner. Oh, they're fine, I'll go return some emails. As opposed to saying, oh, my juicy goodness, I just, you know, tell me about your day. Um, Come help me do this. Thank you so much, I really appreciate that you hung up your coat. I love the way that you're getting excited about folding the laundry. Tasks are so much more fun when I do them with you. We just don't talk that way to kids. So, So if we're going to ignore the sniffles and the illness symptoms, can you give the same amount of attention to pro-social behaviors? Can you give the same energy, enthusiasm, excitement to, you know, I love hearing about your book and oh, thank you for picking that up and please keep me company. That's where we have to turn up the volume. Um, So I think if you can give that a go, See whether or not she realizes that sitting around suffering with nobody caring gets her nothing and being healthy, happy and engaged positively draws you in like there's no tomorrow. So we have to we have to contribute that part of the equation if we want her to make some different decisions about her behaviors. Hope that helps.
1: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's.
0: and thanks for your podcast. I really value the Q&A episodes. Thank you for that. I I really like the questions coming in. I'm writing with a question about my six-year-old. He is very sensitive and prone for aggression and defiance, particularly when challenged about his negative behavior. When emotionally frustrated or sad, he resorts to threats and physical hitting. He can be very sweet, but seems unwilling to discuss his emotions and lashes out in a very negative way. Sometimes these are silly actions that end up accidentally hitting someone, and when they get hurt, he becomes very defensive and shuts down, often escalating with more deliberate negative behaviors. That means that he will not communicate at all and will then deliberately be defiant other times he strikes out of frustration. One example was this weekend. He wanted to play with the group in the park and awkwardly started hanging around and near them. When they didn't engage with him in their play, he became frustrated and began throwing sand to the point where we had to leave the park. He had this kind of behavior in JK and SK but seemed fine from the beginning of grade one. But since going back from the Christmas break, things have become more challenging for him. We've recently had a note from his school that he has been threatening other students and are concerned as to how to manage his explosive temper and defiance particularly as we're concerned as he gets older he has had some changes in his friendship dynamics and he's not great with change so that might be a part of it but we're at a loss as how to create a safe space for him to express his feelings and work through them without resorting to negative behavior any help or advice, maybe that you might be able to provide would be really appreciated. Um, so thank you. Thank you for the question. And I'm sure there's parents out there going ding, 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 ding. That's my kid. That's my kid. That's my kid. So again, going back to Adlerian principles, as I read this, not knowing your specific uh, situation, but getting a lot of good details, I really appreciate that you put them in the, in the email to me. Um, first thing I would say is any child that is misbehaving, and we see that he is throwing sand, getting in trouble, with the defiance, any child who is misbehaving, is a discouraged child. I think that's a really important thing for parents to, to remember. They're not bad. Their bad behaviors are not because the child is bad. The child is discouraged and the child is trying to solve a problem. So again, the word misbehavior is used when parents say this is a behavior that I don't like to see. This is a non-pro-social behavior, therefore it's a mis- behavior. But if you are to get inside the private world of the child, the child is not thinking to themselves that this is bad. They are making these behavioral choices because these are actually solutions to problems. So, to parents and teachers and to their friend group, the child's behavior is a problem. To the child, if you step in their shoes, their behavior is a solution to a problem. Let's never lose sight of that. What is the child trying to solve for? Well, You know, he's discouraged. Well, what is why is a child discouraged and the number one source of discouragement and feelings of inferiority is a primary principle of all humans, which is that we need to feel that we belong and these are social discouragements that he's sharing with you. He's he's awkwardly trying to make friends. He's in the classroom trying to find his way in the social dynamics of the classroom. And so he's trying to 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 belong. This is job 1 and he's feeling like he's not making it and you can see that he isn't you don't throw sand to try to make friends he awkwardly kind of hovered around the outside um but you can see that when he gets corrected or uh fails at this when we when we call him to task on it his ego is is fragile and he's like this hurts me i don't want to be criticized i don't want to be corrected i don't want to have more bad i'm flooded with bad feelings and so I shut down, and, and I'm I'm now going to hurt you as you have hurt me. It's an ego defense to do that. Um, and so you correct me, or you 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 know tell me I shouldn't act this way. I'm I'm ego bound to say, you know, no, I'm not going to the corner. I'm not going to do that. I'm. And so he's very sensitive about his social position and how he's fitting in. And he is retaliating against uh, noticing of any kind, conversation, correction, anything that shines a spotlight on his inferiorities brings them onto the main stage. And that is palpably uncomfortable for him and rather than sitting there in a position of comfortability saying like oh please tell me how to be a better playmate i really am failing in this task he he isn't he he is um he is now in threat mode social threat mode fight freeze flee Uh, the executive functioning is gone offline he is now in full hijacked amygdala and um and you're seeing the, the fighting response coming out and so God bless, he's really threatened by these things. He's really not solving the problems, the the the, the social problems of finding his people. And he's young. This is the job. And his and parents and teachers and classmates, we have to help these people. So how are we gonna help him? Skills training. I would have find speak to the teacher, find out if there's somebody in that class that is somebody who's a little bit more resilient um i know that when i was a nursery school teacher it was often a sibling who had older older um brothers and sisters who (laughs) they were used to a little bit of conflict and being pushed around and i'd probably pick them because they could acquiesce and roll with the punches a little bit more and um but ask the teacher who would make a good match and then try to get them to do things together playing is actually a very hard skill Playing non structured play is really a very big social challenge. So I would ask the teacher, could she find someone that she think would be a good fit, match your son up with that person and have them do things that are very procedural. So could you two both clean up the kitchen in the play area? Could you two both hand out the napkins for snack today? Could you two both collect up the balls after gym time? Because when you have a job to do together, it makes it a lot easier to then have a background conversation. And this is the same with adults. I'll just share that um, uh, in my church, for example, I go to the First Unitarian Congregation of Toronto. It's a secular um, humanist church. Um, I'm an atheist, but I'm very spiritual, and we have things called journey groups, and our last journey meeting, we were talking about the fact that it's very hard, even after all these years, I've been going to this congregation, I'm third, well, not fifth generation, but third generation in this congregation, I've grown up in this congregation, Um, but even with all that, coffee hour is awkward. You know, you got to like, you finish the sermon, you got to get your cup of coffee and you go into this like big hall. And, and it's like, we're not very friendly. Like, how do you start talking to people? And I'm pretty social and I find it difficult. And other people were saying, yeah, you know what, this is why I started volunteering to pour the coffee because then as I'm giving them their coffee, I can make small talk. And somebody else said, yeah, you know what? I work the book table. And so now I can talk about the books when people come up and then that gives me a reason to talk. And other people are at other display cases for sign up for this weekend retreat or whatever. And then there's a purpose. But just walking into a hall with a cup of coffee and trying to strike up a conversation. That's basically what recess is for kids. No wonder they're so damn anxious, right? It's not easy. So try to give them something procedural. That's one thing with a friend and if they start hitting that off then start having play dates have them over to the house and stay close so that when you see them hovering around the outside at the park and you can see they're trying to awkwardly make their way in you're watching it you're seeing it you can coach them you can say hey you know it looks like you really want to play with those people do you want to you know ask if you can take a turn or do you want to show them your ball or do you want like you there's a lot of teaching still to be done. So as a parent, you can do that during a play date. You can't just have someone over and then pour a cup of coffee and think that you're going to sit idly. You need to be there and, and to say, um, you know, oops, looks like your friend wants a turn picking his crayons. Well, you know, why don't you give him a choice? Like you really need to educate kids um, about what they're doing right and wrong on these play dates. So stay close, give positive coaching and the play date if it's not going well, but know that you'll try again another time. And in the classroom i would talk to the teacher and say this kid is like struggling to find their place how could we put a spotlight on them but not around how they're failing and how they're messing up in correction is there something helpful useful um what do they do well what what are they what are their skills that they bring if they really like soccer then can they use circle time to like show their fellow friends their soccer moves and have everybody watch that. You know, if they're a good reader, could they sit beside you? And as you're reading, at story time that you could read a page and they read a page, and you can thank them for being, being a story time helper or a line leader or anything like that, where they get to be in the spotlight for doing pro social behaviors, um, because what they what they get recognized for, they will do more of, uh, and and try to really keep the the correction on the low down, keep it positive. Um, And I think that once he finds his place uh, and a sense of security by making meaningful, helpful contributions um, and being enjoyed for his strengths and talents and has a couple of social connections, I think you're going to see this behavior drop right off. I do. I do. And here's my last one here. Um, It says, hey, Allison, it's been a while that I wanted to ask you about drug addiction and how and when to talk about it with our kids. It would be nice if you did a whole podcast, as I see a lot of kids around me abusing drugs and alcohol. I have two toddlers, and that is my worst fear that my kids will get addicted um, to some of the substances which can be so dangerous. Keep up the good work and thank you. All right, well, I took your uh, question to heart, and I too have a a big interest in um, addiction. And um, I know a lot about it, I've taken courses on it. I worked for many years with Labatt's to prevent underage drinking. I've worked with a lot of families that have kids that are using substances during the pandemic. Uh, But I thought rather than me giving a monologue here, I decided that I would go find and seek out the best Illyrian addiction research people, um, addiction counselors, and I have um, attended in Lithuania, I did a whole week with Jim Holder, who's fantastic, and the Classic Adlerian group out of San Francisco, they have been interviewed, and they also um, have Adler's Classic Adlerian Application to Addiction. So I've reached out to them, and hopefully I will hear back, and I will get them on the podcast to talk about this so that you will get the, the best of the best of the best answering that question. And I love that you're asking it from the point of view of parents of toddlers, knowing that there is a a great preventative piece to all of this. Um, So, so thank you for that and look forward to that episode um, as I get it recorded and and posted. I I promise I will share more. So until next time, keep sending in your questions, everybody. Thank you for all the support you give me. I appreciate the podcast and my pod followers, my pod fans. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. As you know, it takes a village to make a podcast, so thanks to my team, including Max Cotter, my editor and technician, as well as the crew at H2O Digital. This podcast was recorded in Toronto, Canada. We acknowledge the land we are meeting on is the traditional territory of many nations, including the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishnabek, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat people and is now home to many diverse First Nations, Inuit and Métis. We also acknowledge that Toronto is covered by Treaty 13 with the Mississaugas of the Credit.
1: Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. Ever Googled your own name? Prepare for a shock, because your personal info, including
0: addresses and phone numbers, is out there, especially with the recent hacks at some big phone and healthcare companies. But here's where Aura steps in. Aura scans the dark web for your sensitive information and sends real-time alerts. Aura also actively requests that your information be removed from data broker sites, putting you back in control. Aura provides you with a complete online safety toolkit: credit and transaction monitoring, a secure password manager, a privacy-enhancing
1: VPN, parental controls, and more. Try Aura risk-free with a 14-day trial at aura.com/safety. That's
0: a u r a.com/safety. Rest easy with Aura. Visit aura.com/safety today.